0: And enjoy. (laughs) All right, everybody. Episode number 70 of In Liberty and Health. I got the great Jeremy Todd with me. How you doing, man?
1: What's up, Kyle? So glad to be here, man. I am uh, good.
0: Nice, nice. Well, uh, good to hear. Um, We kind of got in touch on a little thread that came across my feed, and I've been following you for a little bit ever since I got involved in Twitter again, unfortunately. Um, It was a thread on the whole post-libertarian moment. I don't want to say movement. um, Moment. Yeah, and, and... I like a lot of these guys. I'm good friends with them. I talk to them. Yeah. In fact, Andrew messages me pretty frequently. And we shoot the shit about health stuff. And he's coming on the show sometime next week. I want to say Ooh. maybe Tuesday. Um, yeah. And I, I, I get where they're coming from. And I get the sentiment. But this whole GOP deal that they're kind of shooting for. Yeah. Um, so Bishop convinced me of the idea that it can work. And that perhaps maybe in some areas it's better. But I also am very, very well in touch with their base, right? Because I'm an automotive technician, right? I've worked in the yeah. business for 10 years. So I've literally spent eight to 10 hours a day, every single day for the last 10 years around boomer cons, right? Yeah, yeah. The, these people do not worship freedom like you think they do. Right. So um, I'm sorry to kind of go on a little bit of a long time. Oh, no, no, that. I love it. Yeah, but uh, kind of give you your thoughts surrounding the whole post-libertarian movement moment. And we can kind of dive into the minutiae and your thoughts. Yeah, on it.
1: yeah. U- ultimately, if you just look, if you if you kind of take their their strategy surface of uh, let's localize, uh, take over smaller local GOPs, um, and, and things like that, I I I can't really differentiate much between the reality of that and the reality of what the LP and the Mises caucus is actually doing. We're winning a lot of elections. Uh, we're growing. Um, but the difference is like you said, we don't have to pander to a base. Um, are I, and maybe it's perhaps that I come from a, a different perspective on these larger elections. And that is that I still believe <laughs> it, it's, it's so hard to say this in the LP cause a lot of people disagree with me, but, when you know you can't win a race, that's okay. Like the point of it is. So I was converted in 2016. I was sort of disgusted with the GOP at the time. Um, I'd grown up in Alabama, very deep Southern conservative. Uh, I voted for Roy Moore at one point. Like I, I, I have a picture next to Roy Moore and his Ten Commandments monument right in the courthouse of Alabama. Um, Like that's, that's where I come from. And I just grew disgusted by it. And so I switched and, and found, you know, Gary Johnson and a, and he, I say he was a soft place to land is what I like to tell people. Um, (laughs) But the the reality was, is uh, I, there's, there are multiple reasons I left the GOP. Those reasons still exist. And um, yeah, it's just uh, ultimately Anything that can be accomplished, this is just my personal opinion, anything that can be accomplished locally with a GOP can be accomplished with libertarianism. The difference is your money doesn't trickle up to Mitch McConnell. Your money doesn't trickle up to, like you said, Boomer Cons and all of these other people running in office. I'm not necessarily a fan of Big Tent, and I believe the ideas of libertarianism are beautiful and perfect. And to water them down or mix them by having to share a room and share the air with very unlibertarian people, really does not convey the message. Because here's what you can ask yourself. Um, so like for example, Rand Paul, Thomas Massey, some of the more successful libertarians, and I'll, I'll flat out call them, they are libertarians that exist in the GOP. But have they converted people to libertarianism? Has libertarianism as an ideology grown in the minds of people because of their existence? And so on one hand, yeah, they've got some power by playing in this ballpark, but they're immediately written off by everybody that's not libertarian as just another Republican. And that's what I think the LP allows us to avoid is to go, Hey, no, we have nothing in common with Mitch McConnell. No, we have nothing in common uh, with Donald Trump or these other people. We actually stand for something better and different. And you don't get that if you all have to kind of wear the same team Jersey, that's where I stand on it.
0: Well, actually, uh, I always love having these kind of conversations because everybody brings a lot to the table and it could just be my kind of personality. I'm not the, uh, the firefight and, you know, bomb dropping Twitter guy. I yeah. want to legitimately talk to people. So every time you see me engage with Tho or Andrew yeah. or any of those guys, it's a sincere conversation because look, yeah. there are going to be things that I don't know, things they don't know, things that we can talk about. And we all come, you know, come away a little bit better for it. Um, And it's really funny, because I feel like here in Pennsylvania, we're really starting to kind of shape the narrative of what the LP really can do is we got mayors and other people elected. So when they keep saying, oh, the LP can never win, the LP will never do anything. Well, it's changed. It is. Right? So... Uh, I see their point with GOP, but look, the fucking GOP here, me and my brother went to an event for a guy who um, was on this podcast twice, Shane, he's a great guy, Um, he's a very Republican guy, he absolutely loves Donald Trump, Marjorie Taylor Greene, people, um, obviously I don't like Donald Trump, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, I get why libertarians like her, Um, he was fired for a vaccine mandate, and there were um, a couple different candidates there at this event speaking, Mm -hmm. (laughs) The reason why I cannot get on board with the GOP here in Pennsylvania, they were literally pushing for legislation that would make assaulting a cop a hate crime. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this is the silliest shit in the world, right? Yeah. And, and there was like a little bit of talk of lockdowns, and they also said that uh, we would persecute cancel culture as harassment. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm reading some of this stuff. Like, come like, on, guys. I, I, you want me to get behind these people? I. I I don't want to even share the same marriage as right. some of these fucking people. And then exactly. Michael Heiss, Mark Bizzacco, um, Kate Crosby, who's a mayor over in Austin, yep. uh, Ben Severs, who's elected city council—literally, like a, a you know a town over from me, like uh, I could yep. almost walk there. Right? These are the people who I could share a party with and are actually getting stuff done as libertarians. Now, if this was a different state and the GOP was stronger and not pushing silly shit like this, I'd yep. have a different opinion. And I've said that many times over. Um, yeah. I went out in Hampshire, for example. Right. I endorsed Ian Smith over anybody else who'd be in yeah. the uh, Libertarian Party in New Jersey. Yeah. So strategically, if that's your best way to liberty, I'm cool with that. But here in PA, I'm just saying it's a Libertarian Party and people get mad at me for that. But once again, I'm gonna share the same air with some of these fucking GOP goofballs yeah. that we have around exactly.
1: here. Because because they the the reality that we live in is that when you are forced to share the air with them and wear the same jersey as them, uh, the psychological association happens. It's 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 psych, it's day one psychology 101, it's branding 101. That when you see red and blue, you think Coke and Pepsi, you like it, it is what it is. And even though you can have all these different varieties of Coke, they're all still Coke. And you so you're trying to fit a round peg in a square hole by doing work through the GOP. And it just doesn't fit. It just doesn't work because of the things that you just brought up, um, even in Marjorie Taylor Greene's just and i called it heroic on twitter her uh her speech the other day uh, about uh responding to the zelensky speech and and all of that yeah. and being like we cannot do this we do not need to be a part of it i think i that. know where you're going she wants to talk about the fucking southern border like she she wants to be like oh my gosh look at these immigrants it, like bro, can can we stay up uh, but, uh, but anyways it it there's so that that's my take on it and so the other thing they they will bring up is especially these post-libertarians they will bring up time preference right and for people who aren't dorks uh like all of us time preference is like are you playing the short game or the long game and i said this to Tho a couple times in the interaction uh though is trying to play what in game theory is called a, a finite game the rules are set you have to play within those rules, and a clear winner is defined at the end. I'm not playing that game. I'm playing an infinite game. And that infinite game is the idea of spreading an ideology, and then electoral victories will come. And so it, there's no real finish line to politics, in my opinion. So getting somebody elected, especially within the GOP, hasn't always proven. It, even the like a lot of the, the YAL candidates, right? Have done some pretty anti-liberty shit, and so we we have proof that if we grow the Libertarian Party, if we vote fo- like I know it, and a lot of people will hate me for this, even Dave Smith agrees with me. He's like, "No, there can be a moment," and I go, "Sure, we could get lucky, but the reality is, is we're going to have to work on this for our kids and our grandkids. This is something that is going to have to build for a very very long time." And unfortunately, we haven't had very good people trying to build it. Or the reality is, is that first sort of growth on the bell curve uh, into becoming more widely adopted is a, a pretty difficult hill to climb. You ask any entrepreneur, what's the most difficult part of, of starting a business? <laughs> first five, 10 years, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty brutal. It's ugly. You're lucky if you make any money. And then Jeff Bezos 30 years ago became an overnight success, right? Uh, and, and, and so there's a lot of building that has to take place. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. But I'm not interested in skipping steps anymore. I'm not interested in like trying to take the quick route out. I'm trying to take the correct route out. And the way I see it, the correct route is to be in a party and build a party that you don't have to apologize for. You don't have to apologize for uh, people who don't necessarily believe what you believe. And that that I think is the hope. That's what we're striving to do.
0: Yeah, there's a lot there that actually pretty much everything I agree with. But um, to, to kind of steel man their argument a little bit and to be fair, as yeah. I always try to be, Um, When you look at Ron Paul, Ron Paul turned a lot of Republicans and a lot of different people onto libertarianism through Mm -hmm. the GOP. Um, And that's kind of where I feel like Donald Trump actually had a lot of success is that he sucked the air out of the room that um, Ron Paul had put in because Rand wasn't ready to kind of carry the torch, right? Right. So Donald Trump did on the campaign trail sound a lot like Ron Paul and some of the stuff that he said, you know, he was anti-war as a candidate, right? Yeah. So, remember, I'm speaking yeah, specifically no, as a Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, he said, okay, the stock market's bubble held up by low interest rates. He's 100% right. Um, these wars are stupid, right? 100% yeah. right. Um, a lot of the shit that he said was 100% right. but he gets in and he turns on a dime. And this is where I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to shut up about it, is that yeah. I'm not going to let all the people who deserve better be let down by the same guy in 2024, who let you down in 2016. Now they don't see it that way. But yeah. look, he said all this stuff that was absolutely true. And then he didn't come through on any of it, you could sit here and say, Oh, well, we still got a wall. Okay, but we paid yeah. for it, right? He said Mexico yeah. was gonna pay for it. He said these wars are ridiculous, and we should end them all or whatever, right? He didn't end any of them. And to to his credit, he negotiated it. And then Biden, you know, for politically expedient reasons, um, ended the war a little bit later. But then 2020 comes around and he locked you in your home, right? Well, he didn't necessarily do it himself, but he put it in a state of emergency, which gave a lot of cover to different governors to lock down. Put Fauci
1: in front of a microphone every single
0: day. And then one of the funniest parts is that I've had people tell me, oh, I'm sure if Trump was in now, he would have fired Fauci. He said that he wouldn't do it. (laughs) He said he wouldn't. He said, oh, I take heat for it. This yes. man has let you down more ways than you can count. And you're still running comfort for him. And he still won't shut the fuck up about the vaccine that they're not trying to force in your fucking arm. So yes. I'm sorry if I'm not putting my weight behind this dude. And i and in another thread i you know candace owens asked him about not partying assange and then he legitimately said oh well there's like good people on both sides and then she goes out and continues to apologize for him and says oh well he's from a generation that just believes everything they hear on the news this is the dude that quoted (laughs) fake news yeah Yeah, so i'm not gonna hold my breath for there to be some great awakening and I'm not going to throw my support behind somebody who betrayed everybody's trust on yeah. the campaign trail and said all the right stuff, but then went in and did a 180. Uh, yeah. I get conspiratorial about it sometimes. I think he's, you know, sometimes a deep state actor, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah,
1: but, no, I, I, I feel that. I, it, I think one of the things that th- this group and, and even the Liberty Republican Caucus and any mm-hmm. of these people who want to work within the GOP, seem to not understand is that if you had, uh, like if you could clone ron paul and you have a young ron paul run again on the gop we're not voting libertarian but you don't have ron paul right you're telling me i've got to settle for donald trump and i'm sorry <laughs> like no We, that, that is what got us here. We Mm -hmm. settle and settle and settle over and over again. And the bar gets lower and lower and lower and lower. So the reality is at a certain point you have to, we continue to walk. So a friend of mine, Steven with a pH, um, on Twitter, go follow him. Great dude. But, uh, we were talking on our podcast and he said, uh, you know, it's like the, you're walking, it's the old adage. You're in the forest and you're walking down a path and the road splits into two paths. Mm. Which one are you going to take? And he said, fuck that. I'm going to walk in the grass. That's the reality that people don't understand is that while it may be difficult, you can walk in the grass. You don't have to follow this path, and that's what we're trying to do. And we're crazy for trying to do it. I get it. The rules are stacked against us, but the reality is, is if we can, if enough people believe what we believe, let set the party aside. If enough people believe in the principles of liberty, none of that matters because the the what can overcome a government. Is pushback from enough people. That that's it. It's not politicians in there negotiating in the back room and like having having the voices. It is people saying absolutely not. I think it's one of the reasons we've held off on getting involved in Ukraine at this point. I know everybody wants to get involved in Ukraine, but the polling comes out and the people say, Fuck no, we do not need to go to war. Not with Russia. Not now. Not over this. Not possible. Absolutely not. Polling matters a lot, and sort of American sentiment uh, matters a lot. So if we focus on driving for the next generation and the generation after that, what public sentiment will be, then maybe the next Ron Paul comes along. Maybe the libertarians take uh, and actually stand a shot and have some power. And um, but it's all about sort of growing our. Contingency, growing people who believe what we believe, and it's going to vote on our principles.
0: Yeah, I, I completely agree with that as well. And that's kind of what I've said is that eventually people have to not tolerate what they're being given. And yeah. I, I, I it feels like every four years we get closer and closer to that because, you know, it's mm-hmm. always the most important election of our lifetimes. And, you know, you can't allow Joe Biden to get in, even though in my mind, I really don't think there'd be much of a distinguishable difference over right. um, the situation now if Donald Trump got reelected. Not a bit. But um this is perhaps where the divisiveness is actually good because um where people are so partisan and where everything's so heated right now you know you can't go to war because you can't get enough people to agree right. but so there's a certain strength of the lp as well here in pennsylvania um when i had my buddy mark bizacco on who um i i think he ran for state rep right back in 2018 but there are some voters who just will not vote gop no matter what yeah. uh, and yeah. there's the same deal with people who are you know some people vote will not vote democrat no matter democrat, what right correct. so Uh, mark went into his district as a libertarian right and he had cards all set up for okay independents democrats republicans and he was getting 45 percent of the vote from democrats as a libertarian and and this dude's not like some woke dude he's not some um union guy he's an hvac electrician right blue collar guy i mean i would go out and have a beer or a shot with this dude any day of the week yeah oh yeah and he's getting 45 percent of the vote from democrats right so now i'm not saying that democrats are a path to freedom either but let's kind of let's be objective about this right yeah if he's getting 45 percent of the votes as a libertarian then clearly he's doing something right and we should right. just say fuck the left no matter what maybe right. we can talk to these people maybe there's ground that we can build I, I, so I, I don't like this hyperpartisanship right where you just say it's it just has to be the GOP or nothing right yeah. because clearly there's ground ga- or there's ground to be gained here so if you're a libertarian then you can talk to a democrat because maybe they're not going to be completely yeah. unhinged you know if you go up to them as a republican you ask for their vote Correct. there's a large majority of them that're just going to say no so and, and it goes the same deal to Democrats asking for them to vote yes. for Republicans. Well, it's yes. Vice versa, it works either way. So I, I see the strength there, and I think that's where we need to kind of focus is that, yeah. okay, well, we don't have to play in either one of these boxes.
1: Correct. You, you, you hit on everything I was trying to talk and t- say earlier, but to put it in <laughs> a much better terms. And that that's branding right there. And that these two brands are so dirty to the opposition that Mm -hmm. it's such a hard pill for uh, a lifelong Republican to swallow, to say, I'm going to vote for a Democrat. And it's such a hard pill for a Democrat to say, I'm going to vote for the same person who shares a party with Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump. It's -hmm. impossible for them to swallow that pill. But, when you can come into the conversation and actually in 2020, I, I, I had about six of my friends who had previously voted uh, for Hillary Clinton in 2016, I flipped them. And six, six of my friends told me, because of you and the conversations we've had, I'm voting for Joe Jorgensen. We have to change something. And listen, I, I know, I know Joe is about as exciting as a, a wet pack of tube socks. Right. And, and it wasn't ideal, but we will have better candidates in 2024. But the reality is, is they if I had been trying to flip them to a Republican position, it would have just been too much. It would have turned into a debate, an argument, being a libertarian, being to get our strategic advantage is exactly what you just said. We can get people in the room and where I believe. So, for example, uh, there is a uh, th- there are two theories of is it. Is it? Compliance. Yeah, it's compliance. And I don't like that it's compliance, but basically there's two ideas in in selling um, or or persuasion and that's foot in the door and door in the face. And so uh, door in the face is really the uh, Overton window sort of approach uh, where it's like uh, you hit them with something so outlandish that something smaller seems uh, Mm -hmm. like a more reasonable ask and it's part of negotiating but persuasion really operates, at least in political terms, what I've found is not the Overton window that works, but more of sort of the, the slow roll of baby steps, right? The journey of point A to point B. So getting being able to say, hey, I'm not a Republican. I don't like Republicans. I don't stand with Republicans. I don't believe what Republicans stand for. I'm a libertarian. What's that? Now at least my foot is in the door. Whereas you said, a large percentage of people, if you're coming at them as a Republican or from there to fight for these principles that that a lot of them probably share, uh, you're not, you're not going to, you're not, you're going to get the, the, you're going to get shut down immediately. People are going to tune you out. Um, And I believe our message doesn't need to be tuned out.
0: Right. I agree completely. And what once again the steel man their argument they'll bring up that oh well look at the guy who got naked at the libertarian party convention and it's actually kind of funny my brother and i gave yeah. karen and Harlow a ride back and forth to the airport she kind of elaborated <laughs> on this story yes. it, it, it's kind of funny it's like the the stars aligning with that whole situation where like a whole bunch of shit kind of happened at once and this yes. unfortunately gave way for that um the reason why i like the libertarian party so much more than the gop and i'm more than you know welcome to take people kicking rocks my way for this is that I feel like the cleanup that we have to do with the LP is so much less than the cleanup you would have to do for the GOP. So we can, and I don't want to use the term purge, but you can get rid of assholes and people who make libertarians look ridiculous um, pretty easily versus where the GOP it's like, okay, well, Donald Trump, (laughs) he's a very, very large and great part of the GOP. And they could say he's anti-establishment. No, (laughs) no. He was the president can we like or can we just admit that like people almost don't want to say he was the president so oh he's anti-establishment he wasn't supposed to win okay but he did and he was president for four years and yes they kicked a lot of rocks his way but he also gave him everything they wanted yeah
1: he i mean he put john bolton in charge of defense like it it was sorry like (laughs) yeah but then he'll turn around and call him a war criminal
0: and then lest we not forget this is a Big thing that I never hear them touch on either. What happened in 2020 when Thomas Massey wanted to force a vote on stimulus spending? Yeah. The uh, third, libertarian.
1: Third-rate third rate politician is what he called. Exactly.
0: It. Donald Trump said he should be thrown out of the GOP. The yep. most libertarian congressman other than Ron Paul to pretty much ever be in Congress. And maybe somebody, knows, somebody else that I just am not aware of right now. But um, he said he should be thrown out of the GOP. Do you really think the Trump movement is ready to embrace libertarianism when they wanted to throw out the leader? They're not. The MAGA movement wanted to throw out Thomas Masson.
1: The the MAGA movement isn't libertarian. They don't believe in libertarian principles. They're populists. And as a libertarian, I believe in populism too. I'm I'm a libertarian populist, right? But the reality is, is they, if, uh, so, so basically all of their talking points are populist and it will align, their, their populism can align with our populism sometimes, but their principles don't align with our principles. Their values don't align with our values. And so while they be like, yeah, fuck the establishment, fuck the media, fuck the you know whatever the 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 swamp right uh, and libertarians are like yeah fuck all those things too doesn't mean we agree on why those things should be fucked right all Right. well it was kind of but like yes, a- yeah and look i i i the re- you bring up a good point and that is that they'll go well the libertarian party has the next star Wars of the world like yeah and when people woke up to it and decided that we wanted to be better he became irrelevant. Mm-hmm. He's completely irrelevant. Shouting into the void, shouting nonsense into the void, making himself look like a clown every day. No one <laughs> respects him that I know. And I and yeah. listen, I, I talk to people as a non-denom. I don't stay in my little groups. I hang out with people from all different mm-hmm. sides of this party and, and get to know people from all different sides of this party. Um, none of them respect him. Uh, yeah. And so... That that same trail is following for a lot of people who are rage quitting, like you got to enjoy. Um
0: Oh my god, dude, it was glorious. Dude, most it was, beautiful. Thing it was I've glorious. Ever seen. Um, yeah. so, so you brought up Nick Sork, which is really funny because he was at the LPPA convention and of course people was. will bring him up once again, this is kind of using the binary extremes to prove your point. Like yeah. people will use Richard Spencer and say all people who are Republicans are like Richard Spencer. So therefore they're all terrible. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then people will say all you know all the people on the left are like Joe Biden or Kamala Harris so therefore they're yeah. all terrible right we use the binary extremes to prove our point and it's an effective way of demonstrating things but it also loses a lot of the nuance along the way um so anyways nick work was at the pa convention right this mm-hmm. dude was laughed at dude yeah. every time he went up to the microphone libertarians hate this guy the majority of libertarians do not like him this yeah. is not he's not representative of the libertarian party anymore um so it's not like these people are running the party anymore. I mean, we had a clean Mises caucus sweep here in Pennsylvania. And I'm not completely, you know, blindly partisan to Mises caucus. There are going to be some things I disagree with. And that's okay. Yeah. The, the, yeah, you know, yeah, who, who has to care about what I think? Um, yeah. So you talked about Marjorie Taylor Green earlier. Oh, yeah. And her speech, I quote tweeted. I said, this is gold. There's so much gold in here. Yeah. But please shut the fuck up about China. This is another thing is that we're going to focus, you know, we shouldn't go, we shouldn't start World War III over Russia. We should start World War III over China. Like, yeah, this is, uh, I've I've always said China and the U.S. are two houses of cards in a windy valley, which one's going to fall first. I don't know. Nobody knows, but it's going to happen because both are overstretched you know, fiat currency printed Mm -hmm. mad um, empires that are both in really shitty shape but then you have all these dumbasses in the republican party that just won't shut the fuck up about it they're yeah. good on so much stuff but then they're saying yeah. oh well, we need to focus on china 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 i yeah. had uh, yeah. a couple of the anti-war guys on to talk about it but it's so silly and yeah, i can't get is. on board with these people because of this shit.
1: It, it's it's it, it's very silly and what i always tell them is i i always comment uh wow you sure have a lot of faith in communism to think <laughs> you know <laughs> communist china is a superpower <laughs> right. you believe communism works uh because if communism is an an adjunct failure then the chinese communist party probably is too um and it will fail it will fall uh they can't succeed Uh, like you said uh their 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 infrastructure is crumbling because it was it their infrastructure like our shitty toys we buy on amazon are 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 made in china right and it (laughs) falls apart so Um, yeah, no, I, I, China is completely an afterthought and people are like, well, what if China invades Taiwan? Uh, It sounds like Taiwan should probably do something about that. Um, you know, let, let these superpowers, superpowers of Russia and China, if there are enemies, let's let them get sucked into a 20 year war, draining all of their money, draining all of their people's lives, draining all of their country's enthusiasm for nationalism right let, let let the next generation grow up knowing that their country was the, just like us right let them go 30 trillion dollars in debt right um i yeah it, but it's this idea in the republican party like you we have to continually have a pissing contest and win it. Continually prove we're the big swinging dick in the room for the globe. And what has that led us to? It's led us to five dollar a gallon gas. Uh, Americans not being able to afford houses. Uh, it's led us to yeah, and a, a globalist empire that's stretched too thin. And the re, and and we're not any safer for it. Russia has stealth bombers just like we do, right? Uh, so right now, and this, this may be some fear mongering. Fuck it, it's true. Stealth could be flying over the United States of America right now with nuclear weapons attached to them. We don't know. They could just be waiting on the signal, right? Waiting on the call. Russia has the same military technology we do. China has the same military technology we do. But just like us, they can't get into a long war. So they 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 are sort of holding where it is. But if they want to get into a long war with Ukraine or Taiwan, by all fucking means, like let them realize what we should have realized in Vietnam and then Kuwait and then Afghanistan and Iraq, you know, let them realize that this is, it is nothing more than a jobs program and a money, and a money laundering thing for the elites of your country. And eventually the citizens will push back on it. Like we are right now about getting involved in Ukraine.
0: Right. And I sincerely feel like if Donald Trump would have got reelected, um, the focus would be all on china and taiwan and oh we should go intervene here and but because this is kind of what it leads to because if you're going to keep talking about a uyghur genocide and all these ridiculous claims about china then okay well what's the solution yeah because just putting tariffs on it that 94 that the cost fell 94 percent on americans only 6 percent on china um mm-hmm. and from what the post-libertarian guys were kind of busting my balls about. They said, oh, well, this caused banks to fail in China. And I asked the question, is that causation or is this correlation? Correlation, right. Right. They're they're banks in a communist
1: country. I got a pretty good feeling they're going to fail anyways.
0: Right. So was this the tariffs that the Chinese only paid 6%, right? We get about 2% of our steel from China. So Mm -hmm. China paid 6% of those tariffs that were so, you know, Trump was being so tough on China. And then Americans paid the rest of the 94%. Yep, uh, you know is it. this right is this really what we want to do we want to hurt americans so that way we can hurt china like i i get their arguments but at the same time i i don't want to hurt americans more why don't we yep. just progressively stop buying so much stuff from china why don't we free our own economy so that way we could build the stuff here for cheaper and more reasonable prices or you know there's there's a better way to do it you don't have to you know harm americans once again why don't we make people more free so that way we're more productive and then that way we can produce things that we want to consume here instead of buying everything from china um, yeah. they, they have this ass backwards approach where okay well if we just put tariffs on it then that's going to fix the problem well once again i'm no. not for hurting the american people
1: yeah exactly and and goods should be made where they're cheapest and, and they're, the natural resources are right, so right. one of the big issues that we do is we ship china our natural resources and they return products to us mm-hmm. and so it, we have the natural resources here but like you said it's all sort of ingrained in these in these backroom business deals for elites but um and i think i think they don't want manufacturing in america so we can just turn off the economy um when we when when an emergency warrants but well i'll get you down your conspiracy theory right right so
0: one thing that's interesting and mm-hmm. i've thought about this a lot over the last couple of years is that it seems like the right uses kind of china as the boogeyman right well mm-hmm. china you know you got to be scared of china and you got to be scared of scared of the um border the southern border right yeah. they yep. use the border in china is kind of their issue to get voters right where if you vote for me i'm going to take care of this issue but they never quite seem to do it the left on the other hand will use racism and the one yeah. percent to kind of fear monger <laughs> yeah. and get votes but they never quite do anything about it
1: right. um of course
0: not I-, I get it it's effective but you know are, are we creating solutions to me they haven't solved either one of these issues and i get it there's a lot of thread to pull on this and there's a lot of work to do but the problems just never quite seem to get fixed and it generally seems to kind of end up hurting people who voted for them And it's just, once again, you kick the can down the road, we're more and more in debt. And now all of a sudden we're finally starting to see the consequences of this, of once again, $5 gallon gas. Um, It costs 40% more to go buy beef or whatever. Um, Prices year over year are about 20% higher than they were just overall. And now people want to say by inflation. Okay. Well, yes, you're partially right, but it's not the whole truth because, you know, look at all the stimulus spending and they'll be glad to point it out, but they'll never say, yeah. well, this was our guy that did it. Yeah. Trump um, a lot of money. Right. We're so if you think just voting for Donald Trump again will get you back to 2019, I'm sorry,
1: right <laughs> It's not gonna no. happen. It's not that's and if it does, it's just riding another bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like what what they are trying to do is continually press this bubble a little higher and they, But eventually it's like one of those arcade games where you continue to stack the squares. Right. And then eventually it is going to topple over. You can, you can be very skilled at pushing this bubble up, but it's all a bubble that we're riding. And this one is going to be really ugly because the bubble is probably finally like it's not a housing market where some folks are going to have loans. I think it's the dollar. Um, and, And I'm getting a little more terrified about what the future of uh, American currencies and you can say, you can take And I even have this problem with like the, the agris and stuff. Like you can take the approach of, well, I have Bitcoin, I have gold, whatever I can, I can. Okay, great. I don't think you understand what 350 million people who don't have those things are willing to do or going to go through uh, when they're only, the only thing they've ever known doesn't work anymore collapses right, right? there it, this is this is mad chaos full of death and destruction and you like who are you gonna buy it from right yeah. uh so if if you have those networks created great but it's i still would prefer to avoid the human suffering for our for, for everybody else right uh, i feel like some oh, i think sorry. it's inevitable yeah uh, i just it's scary but it's inevitable so yeah
0: some i i I'm not a Bitcoin guy and I'm not like the the kind of guy that wants to dive down rabbit holes of gold versus Bitcoin. I, I like the conversations and Peter Schiff's my favorite economist in the world. He's absolutely hilarious, but, um, I cannot stand Bitcoin maximalists who... Bitcoin and,
1: bros are the worst.
0: <laughs> everything, it can be said, you know, you can solve every problem. They're every ideologues. problem. Every pro- Bitcoin fixes this, right?
1: It's like, do you remember that old Chris Rock bit where he talks about testing? <laughs> so he's got this bit where, uh, you know, uh, b- growing up poor and, it, you know... Uh, everything everything was fixed by a robitussin. uh so and then when you're running out of when you're running out of, you got a, a headache take robitussin. You can't cancer take Robotussin, broken arm pour some tussin on it let that tussin yeah. get in that bone right <laughs> we're out of tussin put some water shake it up more tussin right uh, so it's like bitcoin is the Robotussin of all of the world's problems yeah no i i get it um and uh, I'm, I'm with you, dude. Bitcoin bros, that if you dial it back 20%, people will actually listen to you and get involved. But you being an asshole to everybody who's a little skeptical about internet money, um, it's not going to do it. But yeah, they're, they're, I, I will talk to a pan-gendered, woke, you know, whatever, purple-haired, what um, you know, name, name the term. I will talk to one of them before some of these Bitcoin bros. <laughs> God bless. They are insufferable. Yeah, uh, I, I completely worst agree. thing about Bitcoin.
0: Yeah, it, it's it's like the, I don't want to say the living in, in, in and capistan in your head, but it's like so many people will just throw that out. And it's like, look, I, I really don't think this is the panacea you think it is. Um, I, I don't think people are going to flock to a digital currency. You know, after the dollar collapses, maybe I, I don't know, but I think they're living in a little bit of fantasy land. Like I think it's yeah. something that people could use, and I get the network use, and I really admire that. But yeah. at the same time, I, I don't think you're going to get mass adoption of cryptocurrency. What do you think um, about the
1: Fed digital currency? <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, that's going to be so much different, right? Exactly. Let, let's try to <laughs> throw that really bait out there. Yeah, <laughs> and. and you know, we're supposed to believe that this is going to be so much different than Bitcoin and that Bitcoin can't be tracked either. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. I'm still very skeptical. This is still really new. And we've used hard yeah. assets for a very long time. But I don't think it's going to be another gold standard either. I mean, it could be. And I think gold's probably a better investment than Bitcoin. But I don't see this being the, the next big thing. I don't know what it looks like after the dollar collapses. Um, yeah. So kind of tailing yeah. on to that, though, with a collapse and what that kind of looks like, Um, I like that you have the long game mindset, right? And I've heard you talk about this on Reed's podcast and in other shows. Um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that we have to kind of, in my vision, at least build better libertarians, right? So we have to make libertarians out of ourselves and then out of our families out of our communities and then you need to have libertarian families who kind of pass this ideology down to their kids and obviously not like you know browbeat them but kind of instill the ideas in them from a young age so that way they foster and develop into solid libertarians as well and you can't do that with dudes who you know are typing in their basement talking about bitcoin fixes this and saying (laughs) that you know if we would just have a free market okay well what's this look like you know If you have a wife and kids and you have a solid family and you're a leader of community and people respect you, then they'll have relationship capital with you and then they'll invest in your ideas. They'll invest in you. And then over time, you can convert more and more people to libertarianism. That to me is the slow game is having leaders of a community who people trust and who people respect and they'll listen to you, you. You know, not somebody who's just a loser in their basement. Um, when you have people like that, then you can build this ideology and build the community around libertarians, and then there, we can have a more f- free society that way. That's yes. my idea for it, and I, I feel like you kind of get the same thing a lot.
1: I, I, I do, if you can see this. Yeah. <laughs> read Carnegie, For the Love of God. So you, the, I, I think of a piece that a lot of people make lays over in what you just said, but is incredibly important to – for this strategy to work is that you have to actually be worthy of being a leader in the community. You have to have communication skills. You have to be good at your job. You have to have money. Do you hear me libertarians? (laughs) You have to have money. I've gone off about this before. You cannot influence anybody. If they look at you and go, I would never want to have my life mirror yours, period. You have to be somebody who at least in some way gives some semblance of, uh, success and respect. So in my workplace, I'm the number two in the building. And, uh, but I'm a little older than the number one. The number one's not always there, but everyone in the building has asked me when, so they go, Oh, what do you think about this Russia thing? Uh, what do you think about this? Oh, I wanted to get your opinion on this. What do you think about this? I'm the guy they come talk to about this stuff now. And I'm able to exert that influence because they actually look up to me and respect me as a coworker and a leader in there in, in the room. So the piece of advice that I'm trying to do through my podcast, Sell Liberty, and the organization, Sell Liberty, along with Brian Nichols uh, and our team, is let's teach people how to at least be normal, decent communicators, and then teach them. This. And I love this about Tom Woods' school of life too. That got me fired up because it's what it's going to do. And this is number two on my platform for LNC. We had, like you said, we have to create better libertarians. That doesn't mean know more about libertarian theory. That doesn't mean be smarter in every argument, know every foreign policy. You don't have to be Scott Horton. You can be pretty dumb on a lot of these issues and still be effective. If you are effective at life, if people look up to you, They will listen to even the most general ideas that you have. But if they look down on you, you can scream at the clouds all day and they're never going to listen to you. So read Carnegie and yeah. Learn how to speak to people.
0: I think Tommy Sands had uh, brought up the quote from uh, Carnegie. People don't care how much, you know, until they know how much
1: you care. care, Right.
0: And every time he says that I, I, I think about that a lot and it's absolutely true. And this is kind of what I mean by having capital of people where, you know, if you just instantly show up to an event or to strangers and just start telling them, end the fed and, you know, uh, vote Dave Smith, 2024, they're going to look at you like you're fucking nuts. Yeah, you're but crazy. if you approach, right. If you approach this person as a reasonable person and you're not screaming and yelling, you're not, you know, you're not a batshit insane person, then they're going to, you know, you're going to have capital with this person. You're going to be able to develop a relationship where they trust you. And like you said, in your workplace, um, people come to you and ask for your opinion. And then that's kind of get your foot in the door right there. Is that now that you have once again, capital with these people, um, now they can, you know, hear from you, hear your ideas, and then maybe you can develop them and kind of pull them a little bit more towards you rather than just trying to scream at the void and shake your fist at the sky, and saying Bitcoin fixes, and expecting them <laughs> to just buy on to your ideas via right. that
1: way. Yeah, yeah. It, one of the one of the great faults of uh, of salespeople is that they can't get out of their bubble. So uh, they so. You have to be able to say, and I, I said this in my, or commented to somebody about the Marjorie Taylor Greene thing, and that is that if you can't call out the positives that your competition does, nobody will take you seriously. We live in a world now where this idea of just being a, a, a positive, only positive towards us, only negative towards them, pitch doesn't work. Um, you have to be both Interested in your prospect and your client, which you hit on. So having capital with them, listening to them, being interested in them. But then also when they come to one of the, one of the, so a guy asked me, he goes, what do libertarians think about X? And I said, it doesn't matter. What do you think about X? And because this whole idea, and we've seen campaign after campaign do this is they want to go out and tell people. What libertarians think about issue X. And that's where a lot of infighting happens is to go and go, well, libertarians believe this. And then somebody will go, well, no libertarians believe this, right? We have to stop talking about what libertarians believe because people don't give a shit what libertarians believe. We have to make our ideas in their own silo. People haven't adopted our principles, right? So why would they care about this principle that they don't agree with or share? So if you're going to start with issues and ideas, you have to break those ideas sort of down to what matters to them and then providing solutions that are going to uh, sort of help them sort of open their eyes. And then you go, hey, by the way, that's part of this X, Y, Z libertarian principle. So here's how it applies to issue A, B, C, D down the line. That's the process, not going up to them and and they go, well, I think this about Ukraine. And you go, well, libertarians believe that they don't give a fuck, right? Talk to them about, okay, well, why do you believe that? What makes that interesting to you? What are you most passionate about? Why do you feel that this matters more than this? Be interested rather than interesting. And uh, all of a sudden people will reveal to themselves that, yeah, they kind of do desire freedom. And I don't buy into this idea that, it, it, full circle, back to what the post-But libertarians believe that people reject the idea of liberty and freedom. I don't. I don't believe that. Um, I am sold on our product. I believe it is perfect, and I believe at the core of all things, people can see the morality in what we believe um, because it is perfect. It is moral. It is correct. Um, And it from a political stance, right? Like I'm a bit of an authoritarian with my son when he wants to touch a hot stove. Okay. Like I'm not, I'm a communist among my family. All right. I don't go, this is my bank account because free markets. Right. But as far as a political system that can help a large group of people accomplish the maximum amount of, of, of joy and prosperity and success, this is perfect. And if you just help people, sort of ask themselves the right questions, break the propaganda a little bit, help them discover the truth, we are the natural outcome. We're just ahead of people in that journey. Um, so you don't have to tell them what libertarians believe. Ask them what they believe, why they believe it, why it matters to them. And they'll go on this journey and start it for themselves.
0: Right. And this is where kind of though when him and I talked, he said, when you're coming at, GOP you need to come along to these people's fellow travelers. Well, I don't think you necessarily have to be just a strictly GOP guy. Um right. it goes back to the Carnegie saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Is that right. if you come at this person with an issue that they care about or that they're asking you about, um you know, find out where you guys agree or whatever their issue is and kind of walk with them and then you can kind of walk them towards your solution. Um yes. I had Reed, Tommy and Buck on probably a couple of weeks ago. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember seeing that. Yeah. And uh, Reed was uh, telling me about how when um, he was campaigning for Tulsi, that uh, you'd go door to door and you'd bring up the war in Yemen. And right. Everybody is horrible. But like your average person, if you come up to them and just say, oh, my God, the genocide in Yemen, like this They're is like, too it, right. It's too arbitrary. Right. So when you try to bring something that seems arbitrary, but it's very real to people as libertarian can or as libertarianism can be, then people don't care just because it's so over their heads. So yes. I think as libertarians, we can't just sit here and continue to live in abstracts. And any libertarian that's still kind of living in these abstracts and just saying, Oh, taxation is theft online and yeah. the coin fixes this after 2020. It's like, well, you you might actually be harming the movement because at this point, you know, we kind of need to roll the state back in whatever way we can as quick as possible and we should you know we do have to play the generational game but we can't continue to just sit here and say taxation is that to post memes all day and think that we're spreading the message that way
1: right yeah and if you are somebody who is like okay maybe i'm not a great communicator but i got great memes right like the the meme should be the idea of challenging their current narrative right um when, if I look back at what my journey into becoming a libertarian looks like, it goes, I, I, I didn't vote for a libertarian until 2016. It, my journey probably started in 2005. Um, I watched The Daily Show every night and followed by the Colbert Report back when he was funny. Um, I still have a lot of love and respect for Jon Stewart. But what Jon Stewart did is I watched it. And remember, I'm, I'm the guy voting for the Ten Commandments judge in Alabama, like Sam Brownback, who else? Uh, Mike Huckabee. All right. If you want to know what my political lane was, it was Mike fucking Huckabee. Okay. Uh-huh. That was right up my shit. And so I, I, I would watch uh comedy central because I liked South park and all that as a freshman in college, but then the daily show would come on and I'd see him challenging all of these belief systems that I had he would do it in a very smart, intelligent, funny way. Bill Maher does a lot of the same thing to people on the left. But what was great about John, at least back then, is he challenged both sides pretty, pretty, pretty stringently. Like he would hold people's feet to the fire on their hypocritical nature. If you are posting memes, they shouldn't just be like taxation is theft. Blah, blah. It needs to be something that challenges somebody's current narrative, especially on issues that they care about. So, and I, I don't mean insulting it and I don't mean mocking it necessarily or anything like that, but challenging it, what at your, your memes and stuff should force them to ask the question, huh, maybe what I believe doesn't make sense. Why do I believe what I believe? And then that journey of, of sort of, not trusting what they're being told, what the narrative is. Having an ounce of skepticism in everything that they approach eventually led me on that journey to where in 2016, I watched the primaries. Uh, Donald Trump was, you know, basically insulting everybody up there. And then Marco Rubio stooped to that level. And I was like, you know what? This clown show isn't for me anymore. They clearly don't care about things and and what the people... Uh, need and, and have problems and then I found my soft place to land it was uh, through a friend she introduced me to the Libertarian Party uh, they were still doing primaries and so it was John McAfee funny enough um, and then I followed Austin Peterson eventually voted for Gary Johnson but it, it was still a vote I hadn't adopted all principles yet I was just this guy makes more sense than the two party system that I was in that sort of fit. There was another four years before I really got involved, and I uh, did these principles fully uh, to where I am today. So we're talking about a fifteen year journey potentially if you go all the way back to the first time my narrative was challenged. So if it, there are different places that people are on the funnels, if you're somebody who's talking to normies, uh, and you're you're like using your your family's Instagram account or you're having conversations, you may want to to you know. But but you're challenging sort of their belief system and narrative, but you're 100% right. Taxation is theft isn't challenging their belief system. You're trying to skip steps. Taxation is theft after you've accepted that theft is not okay. It's violence. Coercion is violence. Like all of these principles that we believe in then lead you to taxation is theft. You're going way too far down the line. You got to start with challenging. Why do they believe what they believe? Why do they think what they think? And that can sort of open that door, as we talked about, for you to get your foot in.
0: Right. Well, you know, I just had a thought, and I've thought about this particular thing for quite a while. Um, When it comes to people saying taxation is theft, um, right now I feel like we have a really opportune time if libertarians are able to communicate this. But um, right now we're all having to pay higher prices, right? I think it's easier to kind of push that kind of taxation and stuff kind of narrative. And I I don't like that we're necessarily going down this rabbit hole, but just, just kind of follow me along here. Um, yeah, yeah, I got you. You need to tell people that, like, look, this is your purchasing power being stolen from you, yeah. right? The government's $30 trillion in debt, right? This is yeah. not, you know, it, it. they don't have the money, right? People are saying, mm-hmm. oh, well, your hard-earned taxpayer dollars are going to Ukraine. No, this is purchasing power that's being sent yeah. over there. This is being stolen, so, yes. um, and like I said, it, it, it sounds almost arbitrary and it's pretty aggressive, but really that's kind of what it is though, right? right? And this is where I think that we need to kind of start shifting the message, right? Where you, people are saying inflation, well, no, it's your purchasing power being stolen, right? right? It's not the goods that just all of a sudden became more expensive. It's the fact that your dollar doesn't the go as far. It, and yeah. it goes to kind of what you were saying earlier that you think the dollar is going to collapse, I agree. But, um, you know, to kind of communicate that to people, hey, this is your purchasing power going away, your savings, all that money that you have in the stock market that you're planning to retire on one day, the value of that is being stolen out from underneath your feet from these people who want to send your children to go fight Ukraine, which we have absolutely zero interest in, or the same people who might have you go fight, oh, you know, one of involve you in Taiwan or yeah. go fight in the Middle East all this stuff has been funded by that retirement number that you see on the screen that your social security check you know is being stolen from mm-hmm. that is the form that's your purchasing power going away yeah <laughs> it's not just taxation this is your ability to buy that steak to buy yeah. gasoline to buy a gift for your kids to retire on to go on a cruise that does not go as far anymore.
1: Absolutely. That reframe is something that's really powerful to do because you may not even know that you did this. Um, (laughs) but so uh, I, I, by the way, if, if anybody's listening is like, what is this guy talking about? I, I, the, we read Rothbard and, and, and Mises and all these economists, I read like to know human beings think. And so, um, if you go back to the trolley car problem, Um, if you guys don't know what the trolley car is, you're in a trolley in San Francisco. Uh, you can pull a lever and so a a madman has tied five people to one train track and one person to the other. You're headed down the train, the track with five people. But if you pull the lever, it will divert you to the track with one person. It's something in the neighborhood of like 80 to 90% of people when they test this over and over again, say, yes, pull the lever. One life, less than five, so on. Okay. That's that's where the idea of utilitarianism is. Now, what's interesting is that that number changes drastically if you change the experiment a little bit. Let's say a train is coming, the trolley is coming down the tracks and it's about to hit five people, but you can push the person standing next to you in front of the train and that will slow it down enough to save those five people's lives that number almost flips, it's like 30% are like, okay, yeah, I would push the person in front of the train to stop it from hitting the other five. And then if you change it to your mother, the number goes down way more. If you change it to your child, the number goes almost to zero, right? So it's not that we are purely utilitarian, it's that as we become more intimate with the object we're sacrificing, we're less likely to be okay with sacrificing it. The reason taxes work, is because they're very arbitrary. They're this little line on the thing, and then we're told we get like roads and military and police and all this other sort of shit for it. But as it becomes more intimate, what that money is doing. And so I have one friend that I've sort of been red-pilling a lot, and the thing he always comments on is uh, I go, hey, this is your money. Every time our military kills some civilians, I would post about it on my Instagram stories and go, your tax money paid for this. You... Hours you worked this week, right? So hours that you put in at work paid for this. You labored in order to make this happen. As it becomes more intimate to people, they tend to start to go, oh yeah, that's not okay. I have an objection to that. So bringing it from this big arbitrary idea, like you said, of taxation is theft, down to you you cannot buy as many groceries for your family. Anymore. You can't take a family vacation anymore. All right. That has been done to you by people who are now telling you Ukraine needs 14 billion of your dollars. Is it worth it to tell your child that they can't, you know, uh, you can't go on vacation or they can't tonight or whatever it is? Because that's the reality we face. So bringing things more intimate, like you're talking about in a reframe, super, super, super effective way.
0: Right. And I have not heard anybody quite frame it that way. Like I hear people say, Oh, you're, you're losing your purchasing power, but Mm -hmm. once again, it's very intimate to tell people this is stolen from you. The work that you're doing today will not go as far as it did yesterday because of the shit that we're seeing now. Um, We've been chatting for probably almost an hour now, dude, this has been probably one of my favorite conversations I've had in a long
1: time. Yeah. I've really enjoyed it myself.
0: Yeah. Um, I got two questions I ask most guests. Sometimes I don't okay. always remember them. Um, what does liberty look like to you?
1: Liberty looks like responsibility. A lot of people don't like that answer, but that's what freedom is. Um, it, it is the belief that your neighbors are more responsible. Your neighbors in your community are more responsible than politicians elected in DC. So if we are to expect a world of freedom and liberty, we better put on our fucking boots get to work and be willing to carry the weight that government has been carrying. Um, and and I, I think it, that makes a lot of people real uncomfortable, but it really starts with just building your community locally. And I don't mean that as like, Oh yeah, run local. No, I mean like have friends, touch grass, create relationships, relationships matter. Because when you are, when you have great developed relationships, you can start to understand, well, I don't need these outside things in order to make a society with these people work. And so freedom is, is, and liberty is responsibility.
0: Right. I like that answer a lot. And I don't disagree at all. Um, I think there's a lot of, once again, responsibility
1: that comes with that. Um, yeah. what does health look like to you? What does health look like to me? Um, I, there's, there's a big difference. I wrote this down the other day and it, 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 it I try to try to read it every day when I'm, sort of trying to get myself in the gear today. And that is that uh, happiness and uh, pleasure are two different things. And so um, I, I think ultimately health is really about happiness. Um, health can go a lot further than that. And I'm not, I don't say that in a, um, what is that term? Uh, it's like that, uh, that island that people go to, uh, to just indulge all their fantasies. What is it called? Anyways, uh hedonism hedonism there i don't say it in a hedonistic way where yeah. you should just do whatever makes you happy because or or they what you think makes you happy but you should not just embrace pleasure but you should chase happiness right and true happiness is being content when you go to bed at night hungry when you wake up in the morning to do more uh and be successful and if you do those things it'll take care of you um and then obviously you need to take care of your body in order to do that so If you're sleeping good, uh, if you're going to bed satisfied and waking up hungry, I think that's probably a really good indicator of health.
0: Yeah. Beautiful dude. Uh, where can everybody find you?
1: Yeah. I'm a J Todd six Oh one on Twitter. Uh, please don't find me on Facebook. I'm just kidding. I I love it all. I really like Liberty Twitter more than Liberty Facebook. It's two different crowds and Liberty Facebook. I love you guys. You're just not my crowd. Uh, and, uh, the organization is sell Liberty. That's on Facebook. I took that over with Brian Nichols from uh, former chair of North Carolina party, Brent DeRitter. Great dude, taking some time to really focus on his family and grow business and do, do a lot of other things that he's doing. So he handed it off to us, have us out to, to, or over zoom to speak and, and teach the basic fundamentals of Dale Carnegie and, and how to just basically put together a normal conversation where you can change people's hearts and minds, but sell Liberty on, uh, Facebook, J Todd six Oh one on Twitter. Uh, and Oh, I am still currently running for LNC in Reno, uh, rep at large. Uh, I've got the back of basically everybody that's running, um, for, uh, that, that is sort of the Mises candidate. So, I'm fully behind Angel McArdle, fully behind Josh Smith, fully behind uh, Todd Hagopian, fully behind Karen Ann Harlos uh, when it comes to those. And so I would love to be a uh, catalyst to their work uh, by being a representative at large on that team. Um, todd 4 lnccom You can read my platform there.
0: Awesome. Well, like I said earlier, this was uh, a really, really cool conversation. I'm glad that we got to talk. So uh, Same, we'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Yeah. For sure. Oh, yeah.